Hey, hey, what is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Awaken Project podcast. I'm your host, Blake Wright, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We are on episode two of our new season, Young Adults in Leadership. Real quick, before we jump into that, though, I do want to ask that you would go to whatever platform it is that you're listening to this show on, uh, hit subscribe, and then also rate this show. That helps us to be seen and also helps us to be found a lot easier by new listeners. So if you would do that, go ahead. You can leave an honest review. It helps us out a lot, and it's one way for you to support this show and what we're doing. Speaking of support, I also want to ask that you prayerfully consider financial partnership with us. If that's something that you'd be interested in or feel led or called to, you can head on over to our website, theawakenprojectmn.com, and then you're going to see a give button up in the right-hand corner. Uh, and go ahead and click that. You can run through the stuff. I will leave a link for that down in the show notes of whatever thing you're, whatever platform you're listening on so you can find it there. All right, let's jump into today's episode. So on today's episode, we have my good friend, Jed Church. Jed Church currently resides in Mount Clemens, Michigan, and he serves at New Anthem Church in Mount Clemens, but he's bivocational. And you're going to hear about his heart behind bivocational ministry in this episode. So in addition to serving at my New Anthem Church, he's also a barista at none other than Starbucks. Love me some Starbucks. Uh, you're going to hear about Jed's call into ministry, and this his his call into ministry story is just so powerful. Uh, it, it's unlike any other story that I've heard before, and so I think you're really going to get something out of that and just see how God uses people to gather around those that he's called uh, and in those that he loves to, to help free them of past hurts so that they can be uh, given new life to enter into a new season of relationship with him. So you're going to hear about his call into ministry. Like I said, you're also going to hear about his heart behind bivocational ministry. And then lastly, you're going to hear about how his church, New Anthem Church, is coming alongside the city of Mount Clemens to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jed Church. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Jed, what's happening, man? Hey, man, how's it going? Good, good. Hey, uh, real quick, introduce yourself, who you are, where you live, uh, what you do, and all that jazz. Yeah, so uh, my name is Jed Church. I live in Mount Clemens, Michigan, uh, and I work at New Anthem Church. I'm the creative assistant there. Uh, and so basically I do uh, photo, video, uh, anything with online promotion, website development, uh, production on a Sunday morning, sound and stage and all that stuff. That's awesome. And uh, just so the listeners know, Mount Clemens is the greatest city in Metro Detroit. Can we? It agree? really is. Yes. It, it, it really is. And it's gotten so much better since you moved away, but we miss <laughs> you here. <laughs> because I moved? Is that why? Because I moved? Uh, well, you know, there's other things, but that's a big part of it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, sweet. So how Jed and I actually know each other is we actually first met, I think it was at that worship night that your church put on. Um, yeah. I forget specifically what it was called, but you guys had a name for it. Um, are you guys still doing that? Uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff like that. Um, so our church is big on unity and coming together with other churches, uh, and coming together with the community. And so we do a lot of, uh, we call them, un uh, un 
unified nights of worship. Mm. Um, and so we invite all the other churches from the area. We don't even put our name on it. It's not a new anthem thing. Uh, we don't come out and we say, welcome, who we are, what we're doing. It's just a time for other churches to come together. Um, and we do those uh, mostly outdoors because our church is still portable. Mm-hmm. And so we do those more in the summertime and the winter months. But yeah, we did a Young and Night specific one. And we just uh, invited a bunch of different churches and left it open to everyone. And uh, you came, and yeah. I saw I saw you and your wife there, and you guys were like worshiping so hard, and I was like, <laughs> this guy, this guy's been in church a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was great. I mean, up to that point, it's been it had been I don't know a few months since we'd been to an actual worship like straight straight up worship service, and so yeah. it was really refreshing. Loved what you guys had going, and just the younger community that that was there. Um, something that I saw your church is doing. You're doing, is it house fires? Is that what you're calling it? This in-home worship Yeah, so that's sets? kind of what we shifted to uh, in these winter months now. Okay. Uh, because it's, and not a lot of people, I don't know if, if your listeners know a whole lot about Michigan, but wintertime in Michigan is not a great time to do outdoor events. <laughs> uh, and so we, uh, we've been doing these house fires where we're meeting in people's homes um, and doing like 20 to 30 people, super stripped back, mm. uh, acoustic nights of worship. Uh, and they've been amazing. Yeah, that's neat. So your your members just open up their homes and you go in and, and do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, they open them up and we put a registration, uh, obviously, because we can't have 100 people show up for uh, a living room set of worship. Right, right. So uh, we have them register and then once they register, we send them the address. And it's just so intimate being in somebody's home, uh, being stripped back and we do like candles and kind of lower lit. Uh, and it's late at night too. And there's just something about that atmosphere and that environment where, uh, just the spirit moves and people receive something and there's breakthrough and people crying every single time. And it's, it's been really amazing to see. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, since the last time I saw you, you have a beard that's about 12 inches long now. So, uh, (laughs) the winter months must've been really, really cold or snowy up there. Got to grow it out. Yeah, pretty much. That's (laughs) got to stay warm somehow. That's awesome. All right. Well, hey, let's jump into the meat and potatoes of the show. Yeah. Uh, so you got a really cool story, and I was incredibly excited that you said yes to, to be on here. So thanks again. But uh, of course, you uh, just how you have this relationship with your pastor, and I'm going to let you share more about that, but just kind of foreshadowing that, this relationship you have had with your pastor for so long, um, what your take is on ministry, and also just how you lead. Uh, is mm. super inspiring and impactful. So I'm pumped that you're on the show today. Uh, with that being said, when or how did you know that God was actually calling you into ministry? Mm. Um, and if you want to share about kind of your backstory with uh, Pastor John too, with that, um, yeah. that would be that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. So I uh, uh, it was actually been it's been prophesied over me since I was a kid that I was going to be a pastor of a church one day. Uh, and as like a four-year-old kid, you're like, yeah, whatever, crazy person, you know, yeah. fortune teller or whatever. You don't understand that. Uh, but um, also as a kid, I went to a very uh, abusive and heretical church. Um, mm. And so I actually got turned away from the church uh, for a little while. Uh, always believed in God, just thought he hated me, that kind of a thing. Thought I was uh, beyond saving. Mm. Um, but then my family moved to a new church uh, and that's where I met uh, still my current pastor, Pastor John. Uh, and this church was loving and kind, and they weren't abusing the scriptures or 
or anything like that to try and uh, trick people or strong arm people and stuff. So uh, went there, found out that God does still love me. I still can be saved. Um, and it was all kind of in that time of that transition, that switch, uh, re-giving my life to Christ, coming back and accepting his love because I, I felt I could now be loved by him. Uh, and I was just, I was just like, I, I need to go into ministry. Like I need to be able to, to, to I need God to use me to, to be able to do what this church did for me to other people. Mm. Um, just seeing how, how separated I thought I was, but in reality, God was just there wanting to come in. Um, and I wanted to be able to do that same thing for others. And so that's when I really, really was like, you know, those people might've been right. Maybe I am supposed to be a pastor. Uh, and so it was like junior high, uh, junior high, late junior high is when that happened. And so um, I've been kind of on that path ever since, was always trying to serve as much as I can. Youth group, I was staying, coming early, staying late, picking up and stacking chairs, that kind of thing, picking up trash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, had a, we had a spotlight that was super high up and super hot. I'd be sweating my, my, <laughs> my butt off up in the balcony with the spotlight, just whatever I could to serve, man, like. Mm. Looking back, it's kind of silly, but I was like, I'm doing ministry. I'm like, I'm doing what I can. Mm. Um, and uh, I met uh, this guy, Pastor John, and he uh, he was my youth pastor there at that church. And uh, he did so much for me, man. He went, like, he did more than he, he ever should have. <laughs> mm. Like, uh, he stepped in in a lot of ways. He helped me in a lot of ways, mentored me so much, um, was like a father to me, seriously. Uh, and we, we became super, super close. And, uh, when I was in my senior year of high school, uh, he had moved away before that, moved away, uh, I think my sophomore year and he, he, we stayed in contact and he called me, uh, during my senior year and he was like, I'm just launching a church. And up until that point, we always talked about it as like dreaming, like kind of almost like one day, maybe whatever, probably not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and we, we would visit churches. It was one of our favorite things to do, visit other churches. And so we'd go and we'd be like, oh, wow, that first impressions team or this or, or that lighting, we definitely want that. Or we'd visit another church and it would smell bad or whatever. <laughs> and we'd be like, okay, we got to make sure, we got to make sure our church smells good and stuff. And uh, so we always talked about it and he was like, I'm, I'm doing it. And so my, my first gut reaction was like, okay, well, like, where am I going? When am I doing this? When am I helping? And, uh, I was just so excited about that. And so I prayed about it uh, for a few months and felt like God was telling me to uh, to pursue this, to go to this church launch. And so uh, I graduated my senior year and moved moved out uh, a month later, moved downstate to Mount Clemens to be a part of launching this church uh, with, with him and the rest of the staff. And uh, it's really cool to have known your senior pastor for... Um, like half your life mm-hmm. <laughs> to be that close with somebody. Um, and the rest of our staff is all very close. We're more like a family than we are a church staff. And yeah. so it creates a very unique environment in the office. Um, and we're able to be vulnerable. We're able to have fun. Uh, but we're also, we also know each other well enough to navigate like if, if like any arguments or tensions, not that there's a lot of those, but being so close to like a family, we're able to, operate in such a unique way. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you aren't the only student that Pastor John had who's now serving at the church, right? No. There's a few of you. Yeah. So my, there's my girlfriend, Alyssa, who, 
uh, similar story. Um, wasn't saved, got saved at uh, the youth group. Um, didn't have a great family. So uh, again, Pastor John and his wife really stepped in a lot in her life. And uh, we were great friends, but weren't dating at the time uh, when we decided to move. And it was pretty cool. Like we both wanted to date, but we didn't know what our lives looked like if one of, if we were moving away or not. And uh, we individually prayed. We individually decided where we were moving. And then we mm. told each other without knowing what the other person That's was going to do. Um, and that was like a huge confirmation. We're like, okay, well, we're, we both separately prayed about moving, doing this thing. Um, so it was a huge confirmation for us in our, our relationship. But uh, So we have her too, and it's really cool being so close. Um, and then we have uh, another person, Hannah, who was uh, part of the youth group, uh, left, went to college and stuff, and then was working in Ann Arbor, which is like an hour away from here. And uh, she started attending the church, and she was driving an hour every Sunday morning to come and be a part of the church. Mm. And uh, and we were like, well, why don't you move closer so you don't drive an hour to come to church? <laughs> she moved closer, and uh, she wanted to be in ministry, and so uh, she's now on staff too with us. Yeah, that's neat. So uh, I'm going to throw something outside of the notes that I gave you at you. Okay. You mentioned you mentioned your first church church. Uh, if you if kind of there was some abuse and uh, some stuff that they might have said or did that really hurt you, um, would you mind sharing about that just a little bit? Like, it's yeah. up to you because I think that that's an interesting thing, and I think that now knowing you, like I I actually didn't know that, but knowing you, God has used that as part of your story into calling you into ministry, which is pretty neat. But if you wouldn't mind sharing about that a little bit, and then. Like, what was the, the reconciling moment for you specifically when you were like, oh, my gosh, like, Jesus does love me, and this is, this is it. Like, this prophecy that was spoken over my life is real. Yeah, um, it, was, it was so much, man. It was a small, it was a smaller church, um, and so everyone knew everybody, which I think, if done right, can be a great environment, great community for support and loving one another. But there it was just like gossip and um, drama. And it was like, if you didn't come to church one week, everyone talked about it. And they mm. were like, oh, I wonder what, what they're doing. They're not a good Christian because they didn't come. And uh, my dad was in the army, so he was gone. And uh, my mom was like basically a single mom with two kids at that point. And so um, just stuff comes up and it's hard to do. And um, and then there was like people would talk about the amount of tithe. So it's like... Mm. They were like, why are you, you're not giving a whole lot. Like my mom would have conversations. They would have conversations with her about how she needs to up her giving. And she's like, I'm already giving <laughs> as much as I yeah. can. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, there was um, a lot of, a lot of uh, words from God that if you were to check them biblically, there's no way they could be words from God. <laughs> uh, just stuff that like, you know, God, God's telling me that you need to do this. Um, and mm. so, it would, or you have to stop this. And then it's like, um, that was just kind of put us in difficult positions. And looking back, it was like, there's okay, no way God would ever tell you to do that. That's not biblical. Um, and then, um, they, uh, there was, oh, there's, there's so much stuff. There was, uh, you had to speak in tongues to be saved too. And I could never speak in tongues. And yeah. that was hard for me. Um, and they were, they were, they would be pressuring you. They'd be pushing you. Like, why aren't you speaking in tongues? Why aren't you speaking in tongues? And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And, uh, so it was like a culmination of all that other abuse. Mm -hmm. And then it topped with 
Um, oh, and then also this, there was we had a couple senior pastors that had like affairs and all this stuff, and it was hard because it was like, okay, God loves them because they're a pastor, but they're doing all that awful stuff, and I'm not doing, I'm not having affairs and stuff, but God can't love me, mm. um, and so that was hard, and so. Um, but then, yeah, all the other abuse then toppled with, I can't speak in tongues, so I'm not saved, was like, well, what else can I do, God? So yeah. it's like, at that point, if there's nothing else I can do, you don't love me, that's it. Um, and really, it was a, it was a slow journey back, um, because I still believed in God, I just thought he hated me. And so um, yeah. uh, we started going to the new church and uh, was, was seeing a different side of what community can be different side of what church can be, uh, the love that, that can be at a church. Um, the pastor would, was saying things that uh, were different. Every message was different to me. There was humor, there was jokes, uh, which was nice uh, for me as somebody who didn't want to be there at the time. Um, but it was, it was stories about God's love and God's grace, God's forgiveness. It wasn't doom and gloom. It wasn't repent now and, and you're doing all these awful things. Uh, which I think there's a time and place for, but there was, there was encouragement there and love there, which yeah. I never felt at the other church. Right. Um, and so that started to kind of work on me and I was like, okay, maybe, but I wasn't convinced it was for me yet. Uh, I thought maybe for other people still, but not me. And then, uh, I went to a youth summer camp and that's where everything changed. Uh, just experienced that love in a, in a different way. Um, uh, we had these this worship night at the end, and God just like knocked on the barriers. People were praying over me. People were anointing me, and like I was like I, that. Really, it all clicked in that moment that God did actually love me. Mm. Dude, that's incredibly powerful. I mean, to to walk through that, and I think uh, it's even though we're young, uh, I've actually gone through church hurt, so that's why I think it's important to realize and recognize that. Uh, even, yeah. even if you do go through church hurt, like we, we need to shift our hearts to Jesus and recognize that yeah. he actually went through that hurt with us. You know, it's, yeah, it's people, did. people who have hurt us. And so Jesus walked through it. So, uh, we can actually pray and be like, Jesus, like you were there with me. Can you help heal this wound that yeah. I have from this experience or, or these things that have happened? So, um, that's, that's incredibly powerful. I think that God had, I don't know, you use this thing in your life in, in, you oh, for sure. In, in now you are where you are, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see how God can use the unexpected things for his glory in our lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As much as it hurt in the moment, I, I am beyond grateful that it happened because I've met so many people with church hurt. Mm. Uh, and we see so many people um, and we, we hear about all these pastors and the media doing all these things and all these allegations coming out and stuff. And it's like the, the people are so hurt from the church and so burnt out from uh, the things that sinful human beings have done. You know, it's just because you work in a church doesn't mean you don't sin. And so, you know, there's people that have been hurt by that. And so to also have been hurt by that is such a great tool when evangelizing or inviting people to church because, so many people just don't want to go or to dismiss it because they've been hurt by the church. And um, instead of being like, oh, well, I'm sorry, never mind. Like I can, I can say, I, me too. Yeah. And I can tell them that this is different. And it's, it's been cool to be able to help other people who have gone through it. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. Um, thanks for sharing that. So yeah, uh, you're bivocational. Yep. What, what does that look like? Why are you bivocational as 
as a church planter too, like, man, you must be crazy busy with that. Um, but can yeah. you uh, can you explain your heart for being bivocational? Um, you shared it with me when we sat down to have a meal, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that you were bivocational with how much you do. And But then you shared your heart behind it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I wish that, quite honestly, I wish I had that type of heart um, where I could be bivocationally serving the church. And uh, But, yeah, why, why are you bivocational? What do you do outside of this position at the church? Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, um, so the whole staff is bivocational, um, including our senior pastor. Uh, that was a decision that all of us uh, wanted to make when we launched the church uh, for a number of reasons. Um, one big one is the ability to have more staff. When you look at a lot of church plants, it's the senior pastor and maybe his wife or uh, maybe him and a worship pastor, and that's the entire church staff. And then you just have a bunch of volunteers. And either you're, you're piling on a lot of extra responsibility onto volunteers and, and risking burning them out um, by giving them, you know, non, like basically staff roles without being staff. Or you're piling all of that onto the senior pastor and that just limits what you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a church of one staff member can only do so much. And so if you split that, uh, you know, five, six ways, now you can have five or six staff members and it just it just greatly expands what you can do. Um, you know, Pastor John can focus on pastoring people. Uh, we have a finance guy. We have an administrative administration administration person. <laughs> uh, we have a kids person. We have a young, uh, you know, young adults uh, slash worship type person. We have me, and so it just means we can have more people doing more, uh, and it can mean the church can do more just off out of like manpower. Uh, but also too. Um, on top of that, like, it's so, uh, re- like, rewarding and fulfilling in a way to see all the things our church has been able to do with as young and as small as we are mm-hmm. because of how we steward our money. Um, you know, there's not a lot of churches that, uh, like, can, church plants that can go and do crazy missions work or, or donate a bunch of money to this organization or this person or whatever. Uh, but because we've all taken that cut, we now have more funds to do stuff outside of our church, to do events, uh, to do a youth event and sponsor every single kid so no one has to pay, to do kids' events that are free, to do events for our community and help in with that. Um, it just it just opens up more opportunity because there's more resource. Uh, and I will... I'm not going to say for sure I'll always be bivocational because I know like maybe one day that'll change. Right now I... I don't have a mortgage. I'm not married. I don't have kids. So it's it's really easy to be bivocational for me, um, yeah. you know, when you look at it that way. Uh, but it's something I, I hope I will always do because it is there is just something about it that is fulfilling to know. It's it's like like when you have when you have like if somebody gave you a hundred bucks, like yeah, you could go and buy like a pair of shoes or something, and that's great. But, like, how much more fulfilling is it to go and, like, help somebody with that money, to mm-hmm. share that, to go outside of yourself? And it's kind of the same way. Um, there's just something f- so fulfilling and rewarding about it um, to know that, like, because of that, the church is able to do so much more. Um, and we see Paul doing that, too. I mean, Paul was a tent maker his entire life. You know, the guy who wrote more books to the Bible than anyone. Yeah. And he, he still had to make tents. Like, and he was traveling. Like, I don't know how you make tents and travel and do like, that's crazy. That's busy. Um, 
but yeah, man, it, it does come at, at a cost, obviously financially. Mm-hmm. Um, but also too, it just it means a lot more work because on top of all of the church work, uh, you're working outside jobs, and so um, it adds it adds definitely a lot more to your schedule in that way. Because um, yeah, I do I do the church obviously, and then I do. Uh, Starbucks uh, one day a week. Looking to quit that soon, hopefully. Uh, you've been then, saying uh, you've been saying that for a while. When I when I left, I you said that. I know. <laughs> you just love the the Starbucks smell every morning when you walk in. Dude, it's starting to get noxious, man. Like the, <laughs> there's certain drinks and stuff. Like I smell it, and I'm like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. um. Uh, that, and then I just do, I do, uh, freelance video stuff, photo work, website development, all that kind of stuff on the side as well. Um, and in that, I love working with churches, man. I love working with churches for that. Cause that's where my heart is. My heart's ministry. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to go to another church and help them with their stuff is awesome. Um, but then I end up cutting them a huge deal because I'm like, Oh, you're a church. I love you. And I help you. And then I, I make nothing. So I'm still at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of building up your portfolio, if you will, right? Like, yeah. And but you, you just have the heart of of wanting to see people grow and succeed and and be the best yeah. that they can be, which is something that I honestly love about you and is inspiring. Because uh, I don't know, like the the more and more I get into the creative world of the church, um, there's a couple people that I follow on Instagram, but I've noticed that. The, the creative people are the ones who usually get taken advantage of in a church. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's because most people don't understand the time and energy that it takes to make these creative things, like uh, a oh, podcast yeah. or a video or a website design. I mean, all the things that you do. So you, you know that. Um, so that's, I don't know, man, that's inspiring to hear that you're willing to do it just to help out. Um, but I think it's going to be benefit. God's going to reward you for that. You know, yeah. like it's going to come back. Um, what, what do you, what's like your favorite thing when it comes to creative stuff to do? What's your favorite thing? I, I think it changes depending on the season. Uh, if I do too much of, of one aspect of it, it gets a little draining sometimes. Um, but right now I've had having so much fun just doing video. Um, it, it's, it's really cool to be able to like go into a church and, like like promotional like commercial videos um because like you can go into a church and just like no one can see you and you'll kind of be in the background mm-hmm. but gather footage of the whole service and then be able to share the story of what that church is um and tailor make a video that shows their culture and their worship experience and like to an extent like their beliefs and to just kind of encapsulate an entire church in just a single video Mm. um is is really is really fun and it's different and unique for every church and so it it can be it provides like a fun challenge too um but it's just i just have such a blast going and uh and and people like talk to you too when they see you doing that they ask you questions and uh, i love i love engaging with people like that too and uh so that's a lot of fun yeah yeah so uh when it comes to leadership in your current season of ministry what specific way has God called you to lead? Uh, and I think I would love for you to answer this maybe in a couple ways. So for the church, but then also for your bivocational ministries that or not ministries, jobs that you're a part of. Yeah, I, w- I would say 
there's something that's been big on my heart for a while now is the fact that you don't have to be a leader or a pastor to lead or pastor people. You can be, you can be anyone. And there are people in your life that you are leading Mm. and that you are, I wouldn't say that you're the pastor of, or you're fully pastoring, but you're doing pastoral things for, um, and, uh, for a while I was, I was limiting myself so much because I was like, I'm the production guy. I'm the tech guy. So I can only lead and like do pastoral things for my production people. Yeah. Um, but then I realized like, no, like I don't have to just be in my little group that I've limited myself to because nobody's limited me to that. And God hasn't limited me to those, just those people. And, uh, the moment I realized that uh, I shifted so much and I grew so much in my leadership and in, in all of that, um, like going out and greeting the people in the lobby, doing the kids, people doing the whatever, like you can, you can have a leadership role over, over everyone in your, like a lot over a lot of people uh, more than you think. Um, And so uh, yeah, I, I do a lot still. I do more definitely for my production people. Uh, reaching out to them, calling them throughout the week, um, asking just asking them about their lives, man. It's crazy how much uh, to see a leader that cares is mm. what sets leaders apart. Um, and to show that you care uh, and that you are praying for them and checking in on them for things uh, is huge. Um, showing grace when like somebody has family stuff coming up and they can't serve this week. Uh, and not being the angry manager that makes you come into work still, uh, you know, it's, it's huge. It's yeah. huge. And people notice that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, like I just try and I try and not limit myself to who I can be a leader to. Um, and not, and not going in it with a, uh, um, going in with a humility, you know, not going with a pompous attitude of like, I'm a leader over everybody. Um, but with humility going like, okay, what can I do? to lead in this situation or, or help these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, uh, do you find yourself? Well, actually wait first. I really like what you said. Like li- you felt like you were limiting yourself. And once you stop doing that, um, it just opens up to so much more. And one of the hardest lessons I think that I've learned, uh, through the ministry that, that I've done is that, nobody, how do I say this nicely? Nobody is going to tell you that it's okay. You know, nobody's going to be like, Hey, it's okay for you to actually step outside of, you know, for me, this youth ministry box and go and talk to adults and help them through things if they're struggling. Or, um, if there's somebody on the worship team and they want to know more, cause I, I lead worship too. So if they need help with something, it's okay to go and help them and lead in that specific area. Like nobody's yeah. going to come up and tell you that that's okay. Cause I've, I've created that mental barrier in my mind too. Um, and I still struggle with it at times. I, I just, I think that because I'm in student ministry, I have to specifically be a leader for student ministry, but that's not the case. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I had a friend once tell me, you know, when God calls you into ministry, it's not just this certain box of ministry, it's ministry, which includes everything. Yeah. So I really like how you said that. Um, do you find yourself at Starbucks or with the freelancing stuff? Um, 
what what does your leadership look like in those positions? Do you find that the stuff you do at the church carries into that, or is it kind of a different leadership role that you take on? Um, I think it's a little different. Um, at Starbucks, man, it's so crazy. People people can tell that there's something different about me. Um, like I, uh, I'm the only Christian there now uh, at my store. And every, every shift, people are asking, how are you so happy? How are you okay? How are you not, like, frustrated with these awful customers? How are you not getting stressed out with stuff? Um, and and people can see it. And for a while, there was another Christian there, and it was the same thing with her. It was, uh, she while wow, she's always so happy, she doesn't let anything bother her. She's uh, always cares about people, and she's always helping other people. Um, and it's... And the only thing, the only thing that sets us two apart from everyone else is that we're believers, and we're the only believers there. Um, and just like the love and the joy and the and the attitude of Christ just radiates off us. Not 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 any, not to any credit of our own, but just the credit of God. So much in that community where there is there is no one else doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that is so huge. Like people will notice that kind of stuff. Like if you. If you just have the attitude and the heart of Christ in your workplace, in your school, in your whatever, um, that that just shines. It really, it really just does shine, um, and it and then it gives you opportunity. Like I don't, I don't ever have to engage people first in a conversation about Christ at Starbucks because I was, oh, why do you have such a great attitude? Boom! Now I'm telling about Christ, right? Yeah. Like I don't have to go. Do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Like I just have to. <laughs> I just have to have a good attitude because God's given me a good attitude and, uh, and then people see that. Um, and I think it's like when everyone else is frustrated and grumpy, like just not letting that bother me or like when everyone else is like swearing up a storm because of these awful people, just like showing those people compassion. Um, like we have some like regular customers who are just, just awful. Like, some are like verbally abusive some days mm. um, and just like everyone else like will like have an attitude with them and uh, you know just be just be in a bad mood around them not treat them well and I understand why um, but to just go up to those people and like smile at them tell them to have a nice day politely hand them their things um, sets a different tone and example uh, and it sets the example of Christ and uh it shows. It just shows them what a real walk with Christ can be, because so many Christians are so judgmental, and yeah. so many non-Christians' view of Christians are judgmental people who, um, you know, or think everyone else is going to go to hell and all blah blah blah. But it's like showing that we're not showing that we're loving, showing the love of Christ is what is going to pique people's interest mm-hmm. um, and lead them towards Christ. And so I think in that kind of realm any realm where I'm kind of surrounded by unbelievers, that's the biggest thing I try and do is just lead by example um, and show them how Christ would do things. Yeah. And I think there's there's testament too to how, man, we really need to lean into the Holy Spirit and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to move in the hearts of the people around us yeah. if we just allow uh, ourselves to take on that attitude of Jesus. So yeah. that's, man, that's powerful. That's good stuff. Um, is it tough to work in that environment? with that in mind that you and maybe one other person are the only believers? Um, it definitely does. Uh, there's a, there's a weird level of like exhaustion that comes from it, I guess. Um, 
because like you're the only one doing that and it's like i i if i if i didn't care as much if i didn't care about leading in that way and 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 being a light to those people it'd be easy i just go in clock in clock out but i i'm constantly trying to be intentional and like those customers mm. frustrate me too like i'll be honest like i <laughs> you know you got you got people screaming at you people um telling you what you're so stupid because you messed up their drink that had 30 30 you know <laughs> changes on the on the receipt the sticker's longer than the cup yeah and they're like you idiots never get my drink right it's like you know it's like so it gets frustrating man and then when you're surrounded by a group of people who are all just frustrated 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 and ev- the whole what it feels like is the whole world's just telling you to be upset mm-hmm. um it's hard to not get upset um uh, definitely but uh I don't know. I've, I've been in a lot of environments like that. Um, like at school, uh, to man, some of the, I don't want to get into it. Some of the people at my school were not, uh, great. Like the Christians were so clicky and they were so judgmental and they were, we're in our group and we don't want to hang out with those other kids because they're living a life of sin. And I'm like, okay, well you're living a life of sin too. So like get right. off your high horse. Right. Um, but so like at lunch and stuff, all the Christians would sit at one table and everyone else would, would not hear from them. And I was like, no, that's not why. Why are you sitting there? And so I would just go and sit at the other tables. I never once sat at the Christian kid table because I was like, we shouldn't have a Christian kid table. We mm. should be at everyone else's tables. Mm. Uh, and so I, I'm used to that in, in a certain sense. Um, and I go to a lot of, uh, I don't know, I just try and also do that in my just day-to-day life when I'm at restaurants or at stores too. So I think I've done it enough to where it's not uh, a huge weight and a huge exhaustion, uh, but it definitely does. It definitely does exhaust you to an extent, for sure. Yeah, man. Well, everybody, respect your barista. Come on, yeah. Rolling please. through <laughs> Starbucks. Think of Jed if they mess up your order. <laughs> um, the barista promise is there. They'll make it right. It's okay. Uh, all right, man. I got a I got a couple more questions for you. So, um, are there any struggles in ministry that you've experienced recently, and uh, what has God taught you through those struggles? Yeah, I mean, as I'm thinking about it, uh, something that's weighed on me a lot and been a huge discouragement, um, and also uh, a just man, just been heavy is seeing all of the, all of the pastors who have had these awful moral failures and are no longer pastors. Mm. Um, because it's like, you look up to them, you look up to them. So, I mean, there's pastors of these massive churches, you know, you're listening to their messages every week, you're reading their books, uh, you know, and it's like, oh wait, like they've been having affairs. They've been, uh, embezzling money. They've been, uh, ha- you know, having relations with underage kids. It's like, like, what? Like, what is, like, how, how, yeah, you know, yeah. they, like, like I, 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 I've listened to every message. I saw you in person. I read your book. I, you know, it was like a huge encouragement. And now that per- I'm feeling out all this awful stuff. And then also it's like, well, I'm, I'm trying to be a pastor the same, like in the same way. And it's like, is that going to happen to me? Like, mm. or it's like, it's just like, there's just so many people now, you know, it's like so many pastors where it's like, oh, is this just a thing? Like, is that, yeah, like, is that yeah. my fate too? Uh, oh, and it's like, okay, how do I avoid that? Cause I don't want that. 
Right. Um, and it's like all the big names, but there's also like a lot of pastors I know personally, like smaller pastors, churches of pastors of smaller churches I know that it's like happening to them too. Um, and one of my former senior pastors actually, like he embezzled millions of dollars and like mm. that, w- that weighed on me for a long time. Uh, and a bunch of awful stuff happened, but it was like, like what? Like, like you just don't see it. You don't, you have no clue. Right. And it's right. like, oh, I thought. I thought, you know, I looked up to you so much. You would like, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a Christian. I wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for him and his church. Um, and so, yeah, trying to deal with that, like discouragement and like trying to figure out how to avoid that. It just, it just plants fears and anxiety in your mind and discouragement in your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Satan's trying to use their failure to, to make you feel like you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like trying to navigate that. And then it's also trying to navigate showing grace and understanding to them um you know it's it can be hard to forgive them like not that like they did anything to me but to like show them grace and forgiveness and to give them understanding like christ did because it's like come on you were a pastor you should have known better yeah um but they're just they're sinful and as broken as every one of us um right you know but it's heavy man it's heavy stuff yeah for sure and it's especially like for for me and Stephen, who used to be on the podcast, the Ravi Zacharias thing, man, that tore us oh, up. Geez. And we had a couple episodes of the podcast where we've like really supported what he was putting out and, and talked about just the influence that he had and just how great of a guy he was and how he was leading so well. And uh, after everything came out, we actually had conversation. We're like, geez, should we go back and, and take down these episodes? Um, and where we, where we landed with that was, you know, at the time we didn't know about it and this, this might be a controversial topic, but we still think that God used him, you know, God had hundred percent, God had used him in our lives to, uh, really show us good things about leadership and, and also like just other, other things in our private lives. But, um, I, I don't know. When you look back at biblical characters in the Bible, they weren't perfect either. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he he did a lot of things that he shouldn't have ever done, and it all came out. Yeah. But at the same time, we still believe that God had used him in the position that he was in, and, uh, you know, everything else is, is up to the Lord. It's not up to us to decide his fate. Yeah. So. Um, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. Like, 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 it's so hard, like, you know, having my pastor do do that like weighed so heavy and so hard but i think that's also helped me have more grace for the other pastors i don't know like mm-hmm. robbie and all these other guys because it's like i could see the fruits of, of that man's ministry like he 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 radically changed my life and so many others he shared christ with so many people um and so like yeah there's definitely fruits god redeemed god re- will redeem everything for his name yeah uh, and i 100 percent believe that uh but yeah, man, I still have I still have a book by Robbie that I haven't been able to read yet. I bought it before it happened, didn't get to read it, hmm. and I'm just like, I know I know he did so many amazing things, and he's he's helped me and taught me so much, and been a huge influence on my life. But uh, but there's all that awful stuff, and like I'm still not fully reconciled with it yet. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying, but yeah, I like I haven't been able to read that book yet, but I want to <laughs> one day. Yeah, it's tough. All right, ending it on a high note, Jed. What is an right. impactful ministry moment that has happened recently uh, that 
is just encouraging you to keep going, but then also just seeing what God is doing in and through your leadership, your faith community, so on and so forth? Yeah. Uh, man, there's so much. God has done so much uh, in the past two years, really. Uh, that's just been unbelievable. Uh, I think one thing that has been super, super cool for me, uh, because I, we joked about it at the beginning, but I really, really do love Mount Clemens. I love mm. this city. Uh, it, 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 it's so special. It's so special. It's um, amazing. But yeah. It really is. And it, dude, it's been growing and thriving, like legitimately growing and thriving since you left. No, no connection <laughs> to you leaving, but, uh, we got a brand new, brand new coffee shop, yeah. and a bakery and like all these new shops and stuff coming in. So it's been great. But, um, historically, uh, the city has been pretty against churches in the recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of churches doing a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of acceptance to churches, uh, both from like government level and just like community member level. Um, with the city is is most of the land on the city is non taxable. It's uh, it's it's medical buildings, it's schools, it's government buildings, and so the property tax for homeowners is so high. Mm-hmm. So homeowners don't want another church that is going to build a building that's not taxed. Mm. Um, and so when we moved here to launch the church, there was a lot of resistance and pushback. Uh, we did some like video promotions and every single one, com- every single comment on the promotion was all negative. Not a single good comment. Uh, people were just like, don't come to our city. We don't want you here. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my blah. gosh. Wow. But uh, it was, but to see the impact we've had on our city this past two years is crazy. Um, we're doing events downtown uh, all the time. Uh, we did a, uh, we did a love week. Uh, a lot of churches, Elevation, a bunch of other churches do it. Uh, where it's just like a week of serving the community. And so uh, we do it every May, and we wear these bright red shirts that say, I love my city. But we don't put our church's name on anything. We don't tell anyone we're New Anthem Church. We don't, we don't promote as like to the public that it's New Anthem Church. And we just go, and we clean up parks, we build stuff, we paint things, pick up trash, all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, there are so many people in the community that still, I still hear about that. They still talk about when are those people in red shirts going to come back to clean up the park? Because that was so amazing. Uh, And then people not in our church are telling people, oh, that was New Anthem Church. They're like, wait, a church did that for us? Uh, And uh, we went to one of the parks in one of the lower income neighborhoods that just gets no attention from the city, no help. And uh, every single weekend, like all day long, Friday and Saturday, there's this group of guys uh, in that neighborhood that play horseshoes there. But the backboards of the horseshoe pit was was basically obliterated. Uh, the, the poles were rusty. There was no sand left in the pits, so they could barely play. But that was their thing. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot, but that's what they did. They just went and played horseshoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, the city said they were going to close it down so we could install new backboards and paint it and fill it with sand. Uh, but the city didn't. And so <laughs> there was people playing there. And uh, we show up, and the, there's this group of guys. Uh, they're all high. They're all drunk. Uh, they've got music blaring and stuff. And uh, we get there, and nobody, nobody wanted to go up and ask them to move uh, because they looked intimidating. Uh, but I was like, no, I'm going to go do it. Like, I don't care. So I go up, and I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? And the guy comes over to me. He's like, hey, man, what's up? And just, like, almost get passed out by the smell of weed off coming off this guy. Oh, and uh, I was like, Hey, like the city said, they were gonna close these down. We were gonna uh, fix these up for you. He's like, you're gonna, you're gonna fix our our horseshoes? 
I'm like, yeah, man, we're coming to fix the horseshoes. Like, for free? And I'm like, yeah, for free, man. And he's like, why? And I was like, dude, we just love the city. We want to help. And he, and he goes, all right, everybody, move out of the way. Dang. Move out of the way. And he's like, and he like rallies everyone. And uh, we invited them all to church and we shared the gospel with them. And it's like just showing people like Christ's love in a real and tangible way. Yeah. Uh, because for so many people, like just going and hearing about it from a pulpit, but not seeing any fruits of it just doesn't do anything for people. And so uh, throughout our, our unified nights of worship where we're meeting downtown throughout that love week and some other serving things, um, uh, the city did an Easter egg hunt where they had, they needed like 10,000 eggs filled and it was the night before and they had zero filled. Uh, so we get last minute. I know. <laughs> I know that pain, crazy. man. I know that pain. That is not easy. No, so the city called us and they're like, uh, do you, is there any way you could help? And we gathered our people last minute and we filled every single egg in a few wow. hours. Uh, there was an apartment building that burned down uh, on the other end of town. And the very first person that the mayor called was us. And wow. they were like, what can you do to help? And, uh, and so we helped and we jumped in and we bought food and clothes and all this stuff for those people. Um, and so it's just been amazing to see we moved into the city and the government and the citizens didn't want us. Mm-hmm. And now we've been able to just like physically and tangibly show the love of Christ to the city. And now the government's calling us, the government's wanting help for uh, Easter events, Christmas events, uh, Thanksgiving events. Like the city wants us to help them. The city's calling us first thing and the community members are loving us and thanking us. And so it's just so cool to see how God is is working through us in this city. And I believe that, like, maybe not right now, but long-term, that's going to pay off in such a huge way for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Man, that's so cool. I I was, I mean, I never got over to a service while I was up there, sadly. But I, I loved what you guys were doing. And I think, once again, man, the power of the Holy Spirit just working through you guys to go in, yeah. you know, make this wonderful impact on the city of Mount Clemens. And I don't know the full history of Mount Clemens, but I guess just a little bit, essentially it kind of got run down um, at some point. I, yeah. I, I don't know if it was 08 or what, but there were a couple bars that were still open, a couple restaurants. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was, it was pretty poor. And uh, yeah. it, there you would see large homeless communities there because yep. I don't know if this is true, but I, I heard that it's because the, the jail was there. And so when people would get out of yep. jail and they there were family members that didn't want to pick them up or do anything, the first city that they could go to that was closest was Mount Clemens. Um, yep. So for it to be growing, like you're saying, and then for you guys to come alongside it as well, man, like God is just blessing that. That's incredible. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's so crazy. So how often do you hit up Black Cat? Dude, yeah, the, co- the new coffee shop. I go, I'm there so often. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, too much for sure. Um, probably four, at least four times a week. Add a boy. Uh, <laughs> Stick it to Starbucks. <laughs> like I walk, I walk, I know. <laughs> I walk in and uh, they already know what I'm gonna order and uh, <laughs> they make that, it. But that place is such a vibe, man. I went there back in really November and I was like, oh, okay. gosh, I want to come back to this place. This is so cool. <laughs> So cool. It's nice. The coffee's great. The environment. I mean, it was when we were there, we had to wait in a line, man. Like it was, I don't know. It's probably chilled out a little bit, but 
it was so exciting and, and new and everybody's like, oh my gosh, there's finally a coffee shop here in town and yeah, this is neat. It, it's awesome because it's pulling people outside of the city into the city. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can tell, like you can tell, like, like Mount Clemens is still like the median in-house income is double once you step out of Mount, outside of Mount Clemens in any direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a very wealthy community. Uh, and so like you, and it's not like a cool hip community right now either. Yeah. And so <laughs> you see like middle-aged blue collar people in there and you're like, okay, that's Mount Clemens people. And then you'll see like these young adults wearing these crazy outfits and all this stuff. You're like, oh, they're from, <laughs> they're from out of town coming to visit the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny to see. Yeah. It's sweet. It's man. awesome though. It's cool. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, do you have any shameless plugs that you want to make if people want to uh, check out your creative work or if they want to actually contact you for creative stuff? How would they do that? Uh, yeah. Um, man, I'm not on social. I do so much social for my church and so many other churches that <laughs> I like barely stay active now for me personally. It's just like I'm on it every day for everyone else. Uh, right. But uh, Jedapaya on pretty much every platform. Uh J-E-D-P-I-E-A-H. Uh, stupid nickname from elementary school. Uh, Love it. But uh, <laughs> there, but uh, also my church, man. Check out my church, My New Anthem Church, on everything. Uh, great word, great great worship. <laughs> Anyone in the Mount Clemens area? Yeah. We, we actually do have a pretty good community or listener base in Michigan. So if you're awesome. around Mount Clemens, go check that go check that place out it's at the uh, mount clemens high school and yep. uh you'll find jed there are you there every week every single week all right so i'm you... preaching this week too dang uh yeah. so go check it out he's the one with the long beard i don't know if anybody else yep. on your staff has a long <laughs> beard like that but no, it's impressive quite. so impressive uh Sweet. Well, Jed, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Appreciate you. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, blessings on the ministry that you're doing and all that that God is aiding you with and and coming alongside you you. with as well. So appreciate you, brother. All right, friends. Well, there it is. My conversation with Jed Church. You know what? I hope that that was an encouragement to you in some way, shape, or form, and I hope that there was something that was shared that you might be able to relate to in your own life. You know, I love my conversations that I have with Jed. They're just so encouraging, and I always leave our conversations refreshed and with a new perspective. So back when I lived in Michigan, we'd go out to breakfast or to lunch, and we'd just talk for hours about ministry and leadership, and uh, this dude just got so many different creative ways on how to reach people where they're at. So uh, if you are interested in getting in touch with Jed, maybe you're wanting some of his creative uh, expertise, please reach out to me, Blake, at theawakenprojectmn.com, and I will get you connected with Jed. He's just always thinking of new creative things. So I would love to get you in touch with him if you are interested. A couple things before we wrap up. Once again, please go and subscribe or like the show on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And please be sure to rate us and make a little comment. That really does help us out a lot. I also, once again, just want to ask that you would please prayerfully consider financial partnership 
with this podcast. God is continuing to do amazing things in and through the Awaken Project. And as we continue to follow where he leads, we would love to lock arms in ministry with you. So once again, you can go to our website, theawakenprojectmn.com. Up in the right-hand corner, you can select Give. Uh, It's also going to be linked in the show notes below, uh, but it really does help us. So please, please, please prayerfully consider that. Last thing that I got for you is make sure that you're following us on the social media. Uh, Our Gap Year program is open, and so we got a lot of exciting things in regards to that that's going up. And uh, if you or somebody you know is interested in our Gap Year program, you can go ahead and reach out to Stephen. Stephen at theawakenprojectmn.com. He is our Gap Year Director. So uh, if you are between the ages of 18 and 25, go ahead, hit him up. Or if you know somebody that's between the ages of 18 and 25, I would love for you to recommend our program to them. Awesome, everybody. Well, that about does it for me. Thank you so much. And uh, be looking for episode three of our Young Adults and Leadership podcast coming out in two weeks on a Tuesday. Awesome. See you.